begin my message today. Um, part of my message is going to be just uh, talking about what is Thanksgiving and when it started. Um, when it started, uh, it started long time ago, as, as our history us- usually says. I don't know what history says today. I'm not sure. But Dr. Dobson had, a, had an article that I thought was really good, just talked about the pilgrims. And uh, it says the pilgrims were a group of separatists who broke away from the Church of England in an effort to return to a more biblically-based way of life. They immigrated to Holland, where they enjoyed a greater degree of religious freedom, but faced a host of other economic and social difficulties. After about a decade, they returned to England and resolved to set sail for a new world, which we know and love as America. On September 6, 1620, 102 passengers boarded the Mayflower in the hope of finding religious freedom and a better way of life. The 65-day voyage across the strong, storm-tossed Atlantic was itself very dangerous for the pilgrims. Nevertheless, feeling God's calling, they pressed forward and sighted Cape Cod on November 19th, hundreds of miles north of the original destination of Virginia. The Mayflower dropped anchor at which is now Provincetown, Massachusetts, on November 21st. In December, they made their way across the bay to settle at Plymouth. It was near Provincetown that 41 members members signed the Mayflower Compact, an agreement that would become the basis for government in the Plymouth Colony and was later greatly influenced the formation of the United States Constitution. Little did they know that the true test of their resolve was yet to come. That first winter was devastating to the men and women and children who had already traveled far and sacrificed so much. Poor nutrition, inadequate housing, and the unforgiving winter took their toll. Many died. The new year brought more of the same. Eight perished in January and 17 in February. By the time spring descended on the north coast, nearly half of the original group was gone. Christopher Jones, the captain of the Mayflower, anchored his ship in the harbor throughout the winter. He felt so sorry for the settlers that he allowed many of the colony to take refuge in the hull of the ship since shelter was scarce and the winter was so fierce. Finally, on April 5, 1621, he decided he'd had enough and he resolved to return home. I can imagine him standing before his weary passengers, imploring them, you must return to England with me. You are dying. Look at the graves up there on the sandy hill. More than half who came in are now dead. It's time to go back. But not one of those remaining settlers left with Captain Jones when he had set sail that day. Each of them felt the call of God deep within his heart or her heart, and as a group, they refused to go back. Undoubtedly, they were afraid. They probably didn't have a lot of optimism about the uncertain future lying before them. But in essence, they said, we would rather die here and remain true to God, what our Lord has called us to do than to return our backs on him and return to the warm hearth of England. Without a doubt, it was the pilgrims' reliance on the Lord that carried them through this incredibly difficult time. Our wonderful nation, the land of the free and the home of the brave, exists today in its present form because of of these courageous men and women who chose to stay there and tough it out rather than to throw in the towel and return to England. God used the gritty determination with the spiritual leadership of men such as John Carver, William Bradford, Edward Winslow, and William Brewster some of our earliest national heroes, to create a firm foundation on which our country would be built. Other Puritans and subsequent settlers took heart because of the brave example set by the pilgrims 
Their determination and most important, their faith is evident in many of the beliefs and laws that govern our country today. That faith that motivated those settlers is best described in their own words. William Bradford, one of the original leaders who would go on to serve as governor of Plymouth Colony for more than 30 years, wrote a firsthand account of the pilgrim's journey called of Pilgrim Plantation, of the incredible hardships the settlers endured in setting freedom. He wrote, but these things did not dismay them, though they did sometimes trouble them, for their desires were set on the ways of God and to enjoy his ordinances, but they rested on his providence and knew whom they believed in. Despite the trials and difficulties that our forebears endured, the pilgrims did indeed hold a feast of thanksgiving to praise God after their first harvest in 1621. The Native Americans joined them in this gathering of goodwill as one of their own, Squanto, who had been instrumental in teaching the pilgrims how to plant corn and showing them where to fish and trap, trap beaver. Bradford wrote, Squanto continued with them and was their interpreter and was a special instrument sent of God for their good beyond their expectation. The following was written by the Apostle Paul who chained in a, in a stinking Roman prison. I'm sure these words were an inspiration to the pilgrims in their plight, but they were also intended for our encouragement. They read, For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Perhaps that should be the theme of our this year's Thanksgiving remembrance. Millions of countrymen and women bow their heads and their hearts in humble gratitude for this land and its creator. Never in the history of the world has a nation been so blessed as we. As you gather with your families from sea to shining sea, remember to tell your children again about the sacrifices made by the pilgrims who helped pass along the freedoms we enjoy today. And you know, it's, it's been what? 400 years, five long? How long is that? Think about it. You know, that's a long time. 500? That's a long time. Long time. 500 years. You know, and we're still enjoying the blessing of what those people established. The sacrifice that they made. You know, we kind of like, wow. You know, I was thinking about it. 1620. It was 150 years till we became a nation. I was like, Wow. Time. Isn't that something? Isn't that something about how sometimes things can get away from us over time? And we start to lose we start to lose the importance of what we're doing. And we start to make up reasons to be thankful, or we make up reasons to celebrate the Thanksgiving, you know. And it just becomes it becomes so difficult for us to just have that sense of what they went through, the sacrifice that they made. They paid a price. I mean, you know, you think about, you know, going somewhere and half the people died and they stayed because I believe it because of a conviction about what they were there for and why God had called them. It wasn't just an accident. You know, God had called them and established them. And so I, I think about what they went through and then I think about us being thankful. Why? Why should we be thankful? You know? What do we have to be thankful for? We have a lot to be thankful for. I, I want to think just a little bit about the, the reasons to be thankful. You know, why should we? And I want to think about it maybe from a little bit of a selfish standpoint because I think there's a lot of blessings in being thankful. 
And, you know, and there's some real reasons to be thankful. And I want to start with um, probably a reason to be thankful. It's kind of like um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, in Numbers, the 11th chapter, the first one to verses 1 to 4. After the children of Israel had gone through um, leaving Egypt and, you know, they were out traveling and, and uh, the people, they were always unhappy. You know, when they, when they got to the Red Sea, they were unhappy. You should have left us in Egypt. And then they'd run out of food and God give them food. And then they complained about the food. And, and verse in chapter 11 of Numbers, it says, Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the, fi- so the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tibera, because of the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? You know, this is an example, and I, I personally think, you know, this example is there for our benefit. But, you know, when they complained, it it displeased the Lord. Now, if it displeased the Lord when they complained, I want to tell you, it displeases the Lord when we complain because God doesn't change. And so if he wasn't happy with them complaining, he's not happy with us complaining. You know, he punishes. I believe he punishes. He's not happy. You know, he punished those people for complaining. And I, I don't know, I, you know, that's a, another question, but I believe that God has those same expectations of us and we're not to complain. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Do, all th- do everything without grumbling or everything. Well, you know, I cannot complain when things are going good. You know, I cannot complain when, you know, I kind of get what I want and everything's the way I want it, you know, I can do pretty good at, you know, being thankful. But it says, be thankful in all things. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. Wow. That gets a little tougher. But the scripture is very clear that, you know, God does not want us complaining and being unthankful. And I, let me say this to parents. You can teach your children. You can teach your children. Start young. You can teach them to be thankful. Don't give up. <laughs> I know, you know, sometimes it's tough. But teach them, teach them, remind them to be thankful. Remind them. And set an example. Now, you know, if you tell your children to be thankful and you're complaining all the time, that's not going to work. I just tell you. Because someday they'll get old enough to go, well, Mom, you tell us that, but look at what you do, or Dad. You know, that's what they'll say when they get old enough. So you've got to set the example, and then you've got to teach them. I believe being thankful also improves relationships with other people. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Thankfulness is like a honeycomb. People like being around thankful people. And people tend to stay away from complainers. You know? People that are always, nothing's right. They want to be around somebody that's thankful. You know, it encourages us. It's pleasant words. They're like honeycomb. You know, they encourage thankful people, positive people. You know, that's the kind of people we desire to be around. You know, and it's, it's important. 
It's important. It improves relationships. Things go better when everybody's thankful. You know, but when people start complaining, you know, what do they say about some people? They complain if they were hung with a new rope. You know, some people, no matter what happens, they're not happy. They're always complaining. And it's not, and after a while, you're like, you know, I just, I don't know. I just don't like being around them. You know, so, so I believe it improves our relationships. I believe it makes us healthy and content. Content. Philippians 4, 12 and 13. I'm getting there. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 12 and 13 says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. In other words, I know to have nothing. I know how to have a lot. Everywhere in all things, I've learned both to be full and I've learned to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've learned. I've learned to have nothing. I've learned to have a lot. I've learned to be content. Content. No matter what. Like I said, content when I got a lot, that's easy. Content when I don't, that's tougher tougher but paul says i've learned to be content whatever condition i'm in whatever condition i'm in who does that help it helps me contentment is good for me unsettledness is not good for me unsettledness just makes me uneasy makes me restless makes me always striving for something never satisfied that's it it's a terrible thing sometimes it can drive some people. You can see it. It's such a drive in them because you never have enough. They're never content, never satisfying. And I believe it brings health. I believe contentment brings health. Brings health to us. You know, it, it's, it's the opposite of strife. It's the opposite of stir. You know, they say that heart attacks, one of the, one of the causes is Tension. Tension, where does tension come from? Well, tension comes from not being healthy, not being content, you know, not being content. And so I think it, it makes us healthy. Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart does good like medicine. A merry heart, a content heart, a happy heart. It's good like medicine. Good like medicine. It's good for us. I believe it strengthens our immune system. It helps our immune system. It's just a part of health. It's part of health. And I believe that's why, you know, being thankful is, it, you know, you can look at it as kind of selfish. I don't know. That's okay. Well, you know, being thankful is good for me. Nothing wrong with that. I believe there's a lot of things that God has for us that's good for us if we just partake of it. You know, I think he's, he doesn't want bad for us. I don't believe he wants bad. He wants good. Being thankful makes us positive. We seek the good. We think about the good. You know, sometimes, you know, I have to be very careful. And, you know, sometimes, you know, and I, I tend to, you know, listen to the news maybe sometimes too much, I think. You know, there's a chance that sometimes you can get caught up in that whole gobbledygook. 
whatever you want to call it. Um, let me, let me, I, well, anyways, let me just share a thought with you. Is it possible that that whole mess in front of us, whatever that is, whatever you want to call it, government, I don't care what you call it, whatever that stuff is, is it possible that that's all a facade just to get us sucked into something? I don't know. It's just a thought. I don't know. I feel like that. Maybe I just feel like that sometimes. That all this stuff that is out there and going on is like, oh, you get sucked into it and all of a sudden you're all stirred up. You're all upset. You lose your thankfulness. You lose your positiveness. You know? Sometimes if I look at it, I can get kind of negative because I don't think we're going in a good direction. But I got to remember that God's still in charge. You know? I got to not say, oh, it's, you know, it's all lost. You know, God's still in charge. He's still in charge. And so I trust him. I'm, I can still be thankful. I got to be careful. We got to be careful not to get caught up in all the things out there sometimes. But no matter what it is, God is always in charge. No matter what's going on, he, you know, where sin does abound, grace doth much more abound. Well, I see sin abounding a lot. I mean, I see sin abounding everywhere, it seems like. But I have to remind myself that where that happens, God's grace doth much more abound. And that's our message, and that's the message we have, and we have to keep focused on that. Or you can start to become unthankful. I believe, I believe uh, thankfulness promotes generosity. In Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than it's right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. When we're thankful, it makes us generous. And it says that God blesses generosity. Thankfulness allows us to give. When we're thankful, we want to share. We want to be generous towards others. It just it's just a natural happening when we're thankful when we're not thankful when we're complaining and greedy we don't want to share because I don't have anything I don't have enough maybe I have a lot and I still don't have enough I don't want to share but I believe that thankfulness promotes generosity we want to share what we have because we know who's the source we want we acknowledge God's the source and so I'm thankful for what he's given me. And I know that really, you know, the reason God blesses people or nations or whatever is so they'll share. That's why he blesses so we share. He doesn't bless so we keep it all to ourselves. That could become a downfall of our nation eventually. Is more and more people. I don't know. The numbers are getting kind of crazy, folks. I mean, they start to talk about people worth $80 billion. People, person comprehend that i can't i can't now some of them are generous and i i think that's what it's supposed to be but it's just hard to comprehend it's not for us to hoard it's for us to give and to be generous and i believe that thankfulness is maybe most important of all it's god's will it's god's will 
It's his desire for us to be thankful. To be a thankful people. In 2 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. See that no one renders... Yeah, in in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will. It's God's will for us to be thankful. It's his desire for us to be thankful. And as his children, our desire should be to do his will. To do his will. We desire to be thankful. You know, I think you can train children to be thankful, but they will be thankful when they have a thankful heart. You can train them, and I think you should. You should. But, you know, some there are some children who are, are a little harder to train. I was going to say untrainable, a little harder to train. Just remember, sometimes they need a change of heart. It's a heart issue. Thankfulness is a heart issue. Thankfulness is a condition of my heart. If it's God's will when I'm his child, then I'm I begin to know that I have a thankful heart. It comes from in here. It comes from inside. Because I desire to do his will. I desire to please him. I see that he's the source of everything I have. Sometimes that's hard to believe and understand. That really God's the source. He could take it away in a heartbeat. That's, that's kind of hard to comprehend sometimes. You know, we get, we have, we work. It's ours. I think about, I think about those folks in California. How fast can it be gone? How fast can the wind blow and fire and destroy everything? How fast? You know, what we have is ours by the grace of God. By the grace of God. You know, it's, he, we work. He wants us to work. He expects us to work. He expects us to give, to bless, to be generous. But it's not ours because we work. It's ours because he allows us and he blesses us. And so we have every reason to be thankful. But if we don't acknowledge him, if, we, if, it's not, if there's no God, then there's no reason to be thankful because, well, I've just done it all myself. I've accomplished everything myself. I did it. Look at me. You know, some people do good. Some people don't. But as Christians, I believe we need to see that, you know, it's God's will. It's his desire for us to be thankful, to be thankful for what he's given us and what he's blessed us with. So today as we, we're going to take up our offering now, which, you know, kind of, kind of led into that, I guess, but, um, not to not to have anybody say, "Wow, manipulated you right into that." No, I don't. I don't didn't want to do that, but but it is a desire of us to be thankful for what God has blessed us with, and we get to bless somebody who you know I think needs a blessing. You know, um, my observation. Bob knows her a little better than I do, but my observation is she's a lady in a remote place, sometimes kind of alone. Sometimes kind of out there, you know, and sometimes I don't know, you know, um, if you're alone and out there doing what you think God's called you to do, that can get kind of lonely and discouraging sometimes. So that's why I think it's important for us to bless, bless Connie as she 
buys this new car. So um, if the ushers come forward, we'll take up our offering. As Mary said, if you if you didn't think of it today, why give me a call or bring, get me your offering. We'll probably send it out towards the end of the week. So let me know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us when we aren't faithful. Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the opportunity we have to give. Lord, we just ask you to bless this offering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We, uh, we do pick up chairs today. Um, these chairs on the floor need to be stacked today. Um, we have about one more time, then we're, we're done for a little while, I think. So, um. Heavenly Father, we just do thank you, Lord, for, for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your blessings, for your goodness, Lord. Just, just help us, Lord, to remember, to just pause and remember all that you've done. Lord, help us to be thankful for people who paid such a price for our freedom. Lord, that they, these folks came directed by you to establish their freedom of religion. Lord, that uh, they looked to you and trusted you. So, Lord, that foundation is there. Lord, help us not to stray from that foundation which was laid. Lord, we just thank you for your guidance and direction. Lord, to be with us now as we depart. Lord, just be with us and bless us in all that we do. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.